Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And also Corvo Rower. Hey, everyone. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on. We talk about games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago and games you absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in some news. This week, David had a palate cleanser and played Prey. <laughs> Don't blame him. A good arcade I, game. Yeah. I played Star Wars Jedi Survivor, so uh, we talked about it last week, but here's my thoughts on that. And then Corvo is here to talk about Bramble King. Now, you might be wondering, where is Noah at? And all we can say is he's waiting in line for you-know-what, because this is the eve of the tears. So Unlocks actually in 19 at. minutes. I almost had my Switch down here. <laughs> <laughs> there on go. deck on deck right um so he abandoned us for zelda um you know that's that's about as fanboy as you can get so i respect he, it noah has been vaulted yeah he's been vaulted sunset yes. for the, for the moment sunset for the day so uh, so yes, so uh, let's just get right into Bramble. Uh, Corvo, do you did you play it or just review it? What did you do? Uh, I mean, I guess you could say both. He, did, he didn't play uh, it at all. He only <laughs> reviewed it. <laughs> yes, well, everybody bet, knows like, the did best. Did you just play it or did you also review it? That's, I, that's what I was yeah, asking. Yeah, I, I did both. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I was going to make the joke that all the best game journalists don't ever play games. But uh, <laughs> of course, yes, I, I only did if play. we have ultra easy. That's right. right. That's right. All right. So what's so Bramble? How was it? <laughs> yeah. Bramble the Mountain King. Um, it's it's just this little storybook adventure game uh, where you play as I these are Nordic names and I'm not very familiar uh, with these names. So my apologies if I get any pronunciation wrong, but you play as Ule. And you wake up in the middle of the night and your sister is not in the house. So you hop out the window after her and go looking for her in the forest. And you guys, what starts as a beautiful storybook adventure in the Nordic forest turns very sinister after your sister is kidnapped by a troll and taken up to the mountain king's castle. So you brave the wilderness and... There's a bunch of creatures and monsters from Nordic folklore sprinkled throughout that impede your progress as you try to rescue your sister. Okay. How's it play? How's it feel? Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Little Nightmares, if any of the listeners have played that game, where you're going around exploring the environment, hiding behind objects to avoid monstrous creatures ten times your size. And there's a little bit of puzzle elements where you'll maneuver objects around the environment to progress. And one of my favorite things was, you know, larger than life boss fights where, you know, you've got to interact with this giant creature that can instantly kill you in one hit and you've got to find a way to outwit it. So like you don't actually fight it, you just got to figure out how to outweigh it. And I like that. It, it depends. I mean, there there are some more combat-focused encounters. Um, one example would be, once again, pronunciation. I think it's uh, Skogsra. She's a shapeshifter that lives in the woods and lures men out into the forest to 
steal their hearts for power. And to fight her, you've basically got to use this little spark of courage that you gain from a character in the narrative to break her connections to these men impaled on these tall trees. Oh, and wow. once, once her power is broken, she is vulnerable. And in Nordic folklore, Skogsra has this special back where it's very open so you can see all her innards and you can see her exposed beating heart and it's very grotesque but it's so beautiful at the same time and that that kind of gameplay really allures me now have you played a lot of little nightmares have you finished those i i have played the first one but i've not played the second one um but just doing a visual comparison even they look very similar with the pseudo side scroller um where you can move you know back and forth in the 3d environment but it's mostly side scrolling um i would say the gameplay in that sense is very similar so is this more or less grotesque than little nightmares (laughs) uh it's it's a little hard to say i would say that it leans more on the grotesque side um the trolls that you encounter are ruthless butchers, so you'll encounter wildlife carcasses in spike pits, bloody guts strewn around environments. And it's not only the monsters that you'll have to deal with, but you know the, there's environmental storytelling as well. So you'll come across crucified figures and mm. mothers preparing to kill their children for sacrifices. There's some pretty dark tones in the game that people who are thinking about playing should probably be aware of beforehand. It's it's a visually stunning game. It looks extremely beautiful and can be a little bit misleading at the start if you don't know what you're getting into. <laughs> don't buy okay. this for uh, your children. That's what you're telling us. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be very careful about letting a young child play this game. Understandable. When I think of this game... I don't know if there's death sequences or anything, but I think of the first Tomb Raider remake where if Lara died, you know, they would show it in some like wild, <laughs> like weird way, you know, your neck gets impaled in the water, you that know, all weird. this kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy stuff. But if there are those kind of things, do they show that stuff? What do they do? Yeah, going into the game, I was wondering how far they were willing to take it. And I think the moment that the game really showed me what it was going for was with my first boss battle with a troll. And it was this giant hulking creature with a meat cleaver. And you're trying to dodge his attacks on this wooden table while looking for an opening to escape. And I was wondering how they would handle death in a game that looks kind of like a children's storybook and my I got my answer when the troll completely chopped my character in half oh wow and left left me in two pieces on the wooden table and I was like okay this is this is what they're going for they're not pulling any punches it, it really okay. reminded me of the first time that I died to the spider in limbo if anybody has played that mm, as well yes yes okay um, what's been one of the most impactful things? that you know you've experienced in this game um it's it's really hard to pick one moment in particular just because every single scene if you pause the game at any time it looks like it could be lifted straight from a storybook but 
I would say probably one of my favorite parts was going into Skogsra's Grove. I kind of talked a little bit about her earlier, the shapeshifter, and also how the environment does a little bit of the storytelling because uh, when you're moving into her area, you're seeing all of these women who have been murdered and crucified, and you learn through discovering items in the environment that these are women who were believed to be Skogsra by the villagers because they had black hair. So anybody with black hair in the village was killed. And getting to walk through this village that had torn through its women was just something that really stuck with me playing through the game. And then finally meeting Skogsra and having that encounter was really fulfilling in the narrative sense. Why did it stick with you? Just how graphic it was. I, I really wasn't expecting it from a game that looked this way. Um, you know, it's really got this beautiful exterior and everything is enchanting. And then, you know, at one point you're playing with, you know, little gnomes and playing hide and seek. And then, you know, three hours later into the game, you're walking through this trail of bodies. So I think just having the dichotomy between those two things really made Bramble the Mountain King special for me. Fascinating. Um, oh, I had a question and it just slipped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> reel Dang it in, reel it in. Yeah, I'm trying, but it's not coming back. Um, so with that said, uh, well, what did you score? it? Let's go there. I gave Bramble a 95. Um, I found wow. okay. I found very little issues with the game. Um, the only real issue that I experienced in my playthrough was just that sometimes the boss battles or enemy encounters can be a little bit on the more difficult side just because every enemy in this game can kill you in one hit. Um, but this, the issue is solved a little bit by a pretty generous checkpoint system, so you're never really losing a lot of progress. It's just sometimes the boss battles, you know, you make one error and have to restart the whole thing. But besides that, I, I had so much fun with this game. Getting to explore the Nordic Forest was just so much fun. I was always looking forward to what was going to happen next. I had a really hard time putting it down. I just, I almost wanted to play through the whole thing in one sitting, but I had to, had to try to stop myself from ruining the experience. You got to pee every once in a while. Exactly. You know, I, you know, I have to drink some water, maybe eat some food. Yeah. No, um, no, okay, so you no, bring up the boss battles. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to ask, so there's no, I would assume there's no difficulty uh, options, is there? No, it's, you know, it's not really a game that I would think would benefit from one. Um, just because I'm not really certain how they would adjust the slider for the encounters by letting you take multiple hits but you know it's it's one of those issues where it's i don't really have a great solution for it but it was something that rubbed me a little wrong when i was getting close to defeating a boss that i'd been having trouble with and then making a simple error you know missing a jump or not getting behind an object fast enough and just having to redo the section was not the most fun but like i said the generous checkpoint system made sure that i didn't lose too much progress yeah okay when you talk about all these one hits with the boss battles and enemies are these moments do they feel unfair 
Um, I wouldn't say that they're unfair necessarily. For, for some of the larger bosses, their attacks are pretty well telegraphed. Um, there's only maybe a few attacks that I personally felt maybe came out too fast or the boss didn't give you enough information to know that an attack was coming. But beyond that, I would say that it wasn't too much on that side. And as far as, you know, outside of boss battles, um, it's hard to say that they were unfair, more of that you just kind of have to learn where the enemies are, how to sneak around them, and okay. just generally how they behave. And I think once you've mastered that, things get a little bit easier. Okay, that makes sense. What does the combat look like? I'm trying to picture it in my head, but I can't. Yeah, the I would say combat really only comes out during boss fights. Most of the time when you're encountering normal enemies, which there aren't really too many, um, it's more of just hiding in tall grass, sneaking around them, luring them away. Um, I mentioned how you can interact with some pretty playful gnomes earlier and you know you might just be in a situation where you could push one in a cage and maybe some enemies would focus on that one instead which is a little horrifying but you know you got to do what you got to do and for boss fights the combat takes more of um an interactive element where you've got this this rock that you gain from a character in the narrative i'm trying to avoid some spoilers here but this rock kind of shapes into whatever you need it to be in that current moment. So you can kind of toss it like a slingshot almost where, you know, you can throw it into a boss's eye and they'll recoil in pain or, you know, the rock might take the shape of a sword. If you need to cut something, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I wouldn't say it's anything too groundbreaking, but it is fun still to interact with that kind of element where it's a tool that shapes itself to whatever you might need in the given moment. So to me, it actually sounds like a, a stealth game just done in it, done in the fact of you can engage in combat, but it's probably not the best thing to do because if you make any mistake, you're going to get punished for it. Which is, I guess, in stealth terms, like, you got caught. Try again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that it is definitely a stealth game. The game encourages you to try to avoid conflicts as much as you can. And running really is the best option in most scenarios. Um, take the boss, uh, Nakin, for example, who patrols a pond area. And he ha he plays this violin that he lures people into his pond to drown them with. And really the only defense that you have against Nakin is to hide behind the rocks when he's not looking, move by him. And if he does discover you, you better swim fast because he moves quickly. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, any closing thoughts on bramble tell me why we should play it ah uh, if you're really into those sort of explorative stealth games and you're looking for something that has a really unique art style to it i think bramble the mountain king is going to be wonderful for you um if you're looking for something a little bit more adventurous and action-filled maybe you won't find it here but i think a lot of people are still gonna gonna find a lot to love in this game as long as you have the stomach for it yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, it sounds like a, a gory game. I don't know. David played Gears. He should be fine. And play all of that. <laughs> there's, sometimes there's a different feel behind it, though. I know. <laughs> And that this, was more comedy oh, yeah. gore. <laughs> it's is, it's easy to slice apart the locust horde than it is to to feed a bunch of uh, baby gnomes to a creature lurking yeah. in the sludge. Well, like you yes. said, there's comedic and then there's unsettling, and it sounds like this definitely leans more to unsettling. Yeah, agreed. Okay, that is Bramble. What is it? The Mountain King. Bramble the Mountain King. And you gave it a ninety-five. That's pretty good. Yes, sir. All right. Not out of 400. That, no, not a, not 95 <laughs> out of 400. Yes. Yes. I, I would feel really bad if any publication had a 400 point scale. That'd be awful. That's, yeah, that's, that's just too much calculation to in my head. Zero, 100, 200, 300, and 400. That's, what, that's how that would have to be. Um. Okay. Ramble the Mountain King. Yeah, I watched about 10 minutes of the of somebody else playing the game just so I could get familiar with it. So that wasn't far enough for me to get any other thoughts. It, I would say it looked animation wise. It looked a little clunky, which is most of what I saw, but atmospheric wise, it looked, it looked intriguing and uh, spooky. I think in that beginning little there's, area, there's so. definitely a, a haunting beauty to it. Yeah. All right. That's Bramble. Well, last week we talked about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Well, two weeks ago. Last week we talked about Redfall. You, you're blocking that Dude. out. Yeah. Trauma. <laughs> I'm not listening. Yeah, that was that was trauma. Um, so uh, you got further than I did. Corvo, so there's there will be no spoilers for you. Um, and I'm not gonna talk about any spoilers or show any spoilers. So the gameplay I'm about to put up, it's me literally just going through one of the planets, the early planets that you uh get into. So it's just a lot of combat and exploration. But uh with that said, uh number one, it is a beautiful game. Yes. It's it it is a next gen game. I feel it. It looks like it. It acts like it. Smells like it. It's just. It's very, very next gen looking. I mean, the vistas the, just expand. Like that's something they that do. Just, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is eye catching. It's eye popping. It is magnificent. It is amazing. Whatever kind of breathless word you can come up with, that that is Jedi Survivor. So. In terms of how it feels compared to what I've played of Fallen Order, which I didn't get to finish Fallen Order before this came out, but um, it already feels so much better. David, I think you said that it just, everything pretty much just improved over what Fallen Order was doing, and that's exactly what I feel. <laughs> yep. The, the traversal in the world doesn't feel as repetitive as fallen order they really taken the time to expand how you go about uh going through the world and part of that is the story cal is more experienced he's basically a jedi knight so he's got more things he can do so for example a double jump and that just makes all the difference in the world in how you can create levels 
where you get, you know, you're not having to tightrope everything. And to Respawn's credit, not everything needs a double jump. So they do a great job contrasting when to use different things, when to use more of the recent abilities compared to what you've done. Um, What's fun is double jump part. isn't even it. Like you haven't even unlocked all of the traversal like things. No, that no, can no. Be done. And that's what's um, really cool because it gets even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's you know grappling hook, which for every game's got a grappling hook now. So that's you know it's a grappling it, hook. This Fine. one feels like it but, makes sense where it is though. I wouldn't say it doesn't not make sense. I don't think it's anything special though. No, I, I don't think um, it is. But it helps. Yes. It helps with different ways of getting around the world instead of you climb everything or you tightrope over everything. That's what Fallen Order felt like. So well, this adds more ways to get around and it the, feels great. The verticality of the of the game feels a lot different because of things like that. Yes, absolutely. Combat is much, 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 much better. And part of that is all the different stances that you have. Just that alone makes a difference. It was a little clunky trying to figure out how the stance system worked because once you get into a meditation circle, you have the option to change the stance, but you can only have two stances. But the way it lays out on the screen was really confusing. I was like, wait, okay, so I could change. Am I in dual stance right now or am how do I, how do I, and then it finally clicked once I got the third stance. I was like, oh, okay, I get to choose which stance can go in which slot. And then I could, you know, basically rock whichever stances I like. So it, it was confusing at first with just two because I was like, why do I have the option twice on each side? But makes sense. So, um, the different ways you can fight and the fact that there are different kill animations um i don't know it's just there's so much ways there's so many more ways to make fights more interesting um so your regular lightsaber it's kind of like the it could do everything it's very balanced and you can see that on the meters there's just, everything's just right down the middle so it's it's strong enough it's fast enough it, you know it's got all these different things but then you can go into a dual blade and you know the whole Darth Maul style and it's a more defensive stance but it's not as strong so you have to hit them a lot more but you do have uh the ability to actually like strike them more often so it feels balanced if you like that style this one uh the double blade yeah, um, the duel, yeah. I, i'm sorry duel i do like this one i think i still like the the uh okay now i'm confused the duel versus what was the, <laughs> the other double one? The, blade and then the duel okay yes See, that's weird anyway they're both two so <laughs> <laughs> but yes the duel versus the double i was feeling the duel for a while because i liked how fast it was but then I felt like I just wasn't blocking as well as I could, which that's one of the, the negative downsides. Yep. Yep. So I like that there are those downsides that stick out. You can feel it. It's not something that is like, oh, it's a it's a listed downside, but it's really not. You know, you feel it. Um <clears throat> it breaks easier, things like that. So um so so far I'm I'm going with the double blade a little bit more. I'm more defensive and it's working for me, but it, it feels so good to just get into combat knowing you can, you can switch 
mid-fight if you need to. So if you get bored, which I can sometimes, I just switch it up, do what I want. So that that feels really good. And then, uh, you know, we talked about how it's not as Metroid in terms of traversal. And it's fine. I'm actually okay with it. Like, if it feels okay. Um, maybe part of that is I'm okay with being funneled. But it's there's still just enough to do where you don't feel totally funneled yeah. down. So there, there's enough branches, pathways, forks, whatever you want to call them. Spots to, to go down to, like, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't take you so far down that you can get lost and then you need to open your map all the time. But it's just far enough to where it's like, oh, like I discovered this new area. It's got some different enemies to fight or it's got some things to explore. And then I could go back and just get on the main path and keep it moving. So they've done a really good job so far in uh, balancing you know, bringing back some of that Metroid feel, which I like that in Fallen Order, well, that, but it doesn't feel like uh, it's so necessary for this game. And that's where where I said it feels like they didn't abandon the formula; they just enhanced it. Like they 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 I found wouldn't say a way they to, enhanced it. They, they've it made work. good compromises. They've made good compromises in terms of because it's not a Metroid game at this point in terms of traversal, but um. They, yeah, they've they've made a good compromise in terms of allowing you still to explore without making it feel like you're being funneled down. That's the way I would explain yeah. it. I, I certainly wouldn't call it an enhancement because they've they've taken they've taken it away. But it's fine. It works. I don't have a problem with it. Um, <clears throat> and then you know, just every time you pull those lightsabers out, like I was just watching that moment where I'm fighting that droid and he's like spinning them and blocking it. I was like, yes, this is this is why it feels so good because if because it takes from Star Wars and does it justice from yeah. the music to the story, the characters, it all feels so Star Wars without sacrificing any of it. You know, like it's just so it's good. good. It's the best of Star Wars. It really it's is It's the best of Star Wars. And I feel like I, I know the story is canon, but it feels like it's canon. You know, like they, it feels like it's got the weight of, no, this is a real thing. And so we want to treat this like it deserves that kind of, uh, you know, well, I don't want to say sacredness, but well, you there, know, like, there's a reason people are like, we, they would love to see Cal in a live action version. Like, I don't think he has to, but I understand why people want him. <laughs> I feel yeah. that. I feel that too. To, ahead, me, to me, Cal has become like a main character in the Star Wars story for me. He doesn't feel like, you know, oh, he's in a, a spin-off game. He he feels like he embodies what Star Wars is. Yep. It's it's not like Force Unleashed. As much as I love that game, Force Force Unleashed was felt like a spin-off. Yeah, Cal yeah. Cal feels like he lives in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, he absolutely feels like, okay, yeah, you you were a Jedi amongst all the other Jedi uh, left, and yeah, so it's it's really really good. <laughs> um, so to to me, the biggest thing I think is 
the traversal just it there's still a lot of climbing and all that but still it you don't feel it as much. It gets so. even better. Like just, just trust me when I say that it gets even better. Like you, you've not okay. even gotten to the, <laughs> to the best parts. <laughs> I, I yeah. can, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hint at something to Corvo just so he can agree with me since I know that he will. Uh, the platforming boss scene on Jetta with Marin, one oh, of the yeah. best moments in that I've played in a video game. Like I. It, I think every player, once they reach that end section with Marin on Jetta, is that's going to be a memorable moment for everybody that plays. And it's platforming. That's the that's the reason it's so memorable because it's not just this random fight. <laughs> uh, the puzzles too. They're not crazy, but they do make you think, and I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's like how can I use my force powers to deal with this i only bring that up because this moment right here where i'm stuck in these tar pits um it's kind of like well hmm what are these things in the tar let's let's play around a little bit and that's the thing like it lets you play a little bit and kind of figure that out without giving it to you uh it's not difficult but just that moment of okay i i have these abilities how how do i use all of them they they give you that discovery yeah, yeah, because I'm certainly discovering right now. <laughs> I'm gonna die, but you know, like I'm, I'm just goofing around figuring out. That's definitely um, something I appreciate in a game, though, where the difficulty from puzzles doesn't always have to stem from it being extremely complex. I think puzzles can also just be included for their fun factor. Like you said, it's just fun to play around with all these abilities and manipulate the environment with your force powers and do all these traversal techs. And the puzzles also don't really overstay their welcome. You know, you're not going to spend an hour on a puzzle. Um, and that's something that I appreciated. Uh, I do really like they have some Breath of the Wild-like shrines. And they those actually, I know that Corvo and us were talking about just kind of the direction of Zelda. And there's a bit too many shrines in Zelda. It feels right here. Like, it doesn't feel like they've oversaturated the world. And they're they're actually pretty fun to do. I agree with that uh, non-oversaturation. For me, when I'm playing Breath of the Wild and I see a shrine, it's just like, okay, business as usual, apparently. <laughs> but, you know, when you come across those um, those Jedi training areas, um, I, I looked forward to them, actually, when I, when I found them. It was more of a pleasant surprise that I got to take a little detour off the main path to do some Force-themed puzzling. So I usually appreciated whenever they came around. And like you mentioned, they're not everywhere. So, you know, they're not shoved down your throat or anything. But when they do pop up, I think they're a nice, fun little distraction. Well, and the cool thing is, is they're able to do the Star Wars thing of there's actually using Cal's abilities of uh, Force Echo, where he can kind of sense what mm-hmm. has happened with objects. And it actually ties in with them giving you some dialogue from the past. So you get these little touches of what's happened during the high Republic era of, of dialogue. So it's, it's just cool, a cool way to use a shrine and give it a little more flavor, I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's, that's what I got so far with Jedi survivor. So I'm looking forward to playing more of this. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so 
There we go. All right, David, you played uh, Prey, right? You're taking Prey. us back in the backlog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, to go ahead and preface this, the main reason that I was thinking about playing a couple of different things, uh, obviously it's a little quieter of a week when it comes to some of the launches and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? We just talked about Redfall. We just trashed <laughs> Like, I mean, there's not really a lot better of a way to put it. We we did not think highly of Redfall. And the same team behind Redfall, one of the reasons people were so disappointed is because this team did Prey. And Prey is... the. I booted it up, and I started it. I started working my way through it on the Series X. And what I played, it's like, oh my goodness, this is just pure arcane goodness. Like that's that's just the way to put it. Like Redfall, we have to remember it's a single misstep. This studio has done a lot of really great games. Uh, Deathloop was really good. Uh, Dishonored series was really good. Uh, they're at their best when they're able to make these really awesome immersive sims and really focus in and hone in on story. And I feel like that was missing. We, we were missing, there's a lot that was wrong with Redfall, but it was missing that arcane story that we love so much that, that, that they managed to do. And then it was missing really just a lot of the exploration and figuring out how to get around certain things. Like when you first start Prey, one of the first things that they actually have you do when you get to the first door is you have to figure out, are you going to find a way to bypass it or are you going to find a way to, are you going to find the key card for the door? There are ways to get around each one of these different environments. You just have to decide how you are going to do it. And that feels like it doesn't exist when you're playing Redfall. Uh, this has so much atmosphere going on in it. One of the things that I'm a big fan of, a game I'm a big fan of, is the Bioshock series. And Prey takes me into almost that Bioshocky kind of feeling with when it comes down to the, the creepy psychological thriller narrative, but especially in the sense of the environment being this it's worth it playing this game just be just to explore the environment itself because it's very unique the space station is unique the design of all of the places that you go feels unique uh they're showing on the screen right there one of the things you had to think you were doing was using your glue gun which you know you can make these mimics just completely stop uh by gluing them you can use that to stop a pipe from shooting fire as you're trying to get around it uh trying to be think of these kind of inventive ways to get through your environment or to attack creatures as opposed to just oh i'm shooting a gun at them i hope i don't run out of ammo um and that's not even the whole entire story because you end up getting all these different powers that you can use like you know, being able to eventually be able to turn yourself into things just like the mimics do. <laughs> so it's like this game explores all these different avenues and it just feels tight 
as you play it. We we were talking earlier before this podcast about how when you, when you play Redfall, it just the controls feel wonky. It doesn't feel right aiming guns and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That is non-existent in Prey because and it's a similar idea because the vampires are really quick in Redfall. They're just kind of zooming around and whatnot, and that's what makes it even more untenable. But in Prey, I never felt like moving around to try and chase after a mimic, which those things are stinking fast. <laughs> uh, I never felt at a disadvantage because of I'm playing on a controller. So, and then just, like I said, all these different abilities and things that you eventually get to do, it feels like the game knows what it is. The game is directing it. Yes, there are things you can do on the side. It does take that bit of a Metroidvania approach to things. But if you want to tackle the story and just move your way through it, and not worry about anything, you can do that. If you want to explore every inch of the Talos 1 space station, you can do that. It it gives you this, this just wonderful feeling of adventure as you play Prey. And it's just... It... it it's, it's just tough because I'm playing this. I'm like, this is what I wanted when I was playing Redfall because I'm uh, I'm playing it and just enjoying what I'm playing and and just this sense of identity and what this arcane game is like that identity is even to a degree not there in Deathloop which that is a different team so I'm uh, I'm not taking that away from from that team because it's probably a little more Dishonored and as much as I like Dishonored I didn't get into it as heavily as I did Prey but Prey is just an example of just a really well put together game. Um, I know Gaming Trend back in the day didn't score it nearly as well as what I think of it. I believe Gaming Trend actually gave it a 65. Uh, but I, on the other hand, playing through it, like I said, the, the fact that you've got this narrative in the background at the very beginning of it and i apologize for any spoilers but just the fact of you wake up you go you do these things and then suddenly you wake up again in this almost groundhog day like thing only to have somebody call you and say hey get out and you smash open the window to your patio and turns out it's not a patio you've been inside a fake room this whole time and then you get to walk through all of this set and find out that everything you've been doing this whole time has been a lie. Like it's it's just got a fantastic story that you find out as you go and it presents itself to you in a correct way. And in a way Redfall really should have aimed at because when I'm watching these actual like in-engine scenes it makes me really disappointed that I had to sit there and watch these comic book. <laughs> I don't know how to put these just non-animated, just, I I don't even know the way to narrations over the top of just a plain non-animated scene. Like somebody pointed it out in one of the videos, like even when you go, 
and you get a film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to find out about something in Redfall and you go to the theater to play the film. So I did this and I didn't immediately pick up on it because I was just playing and not paying attention. Yep. When yep. you play that film, it's not a film. It's another stinking non-animated just slideshow cut <laughs> slideshow cutscene thing. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating because man, Prey does such a good job of presenting everything to you. And I know they're two completely different games. We've already talked about the fact of the lives. And I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Redfall. But man, if you Neither have if you have a bad taste in your mouth over over that, go play Prey. Because Prey is such a good game. It's got so much personality to it and what it presents you. The the gunplay uh all of that feels good. The exploration of the Talos one feel like it's pretty empty in terms of what you encounter, but it's full in how it feels lived in. Like it feels, you feel the ambience of the atmosphere of the space station. Like everything it presents you with feels like it has purpose as you go around and explore and, and you want to explore more. Um, I was actually, we were talking about like palate cleansers and stuff and how it kind of has become one of those. Some of that is because I decided, I just went in and played on story difficulty just so I could just enjoy the story and enjoy exploring and whatnot. And I probably would have had to approach the way I played it a bit different. Had I went on a heavier difficulty which is very different compared to we played on difficulties and we're yeah, some things hit a little harder at the end, but for the most part we were able we were able to knock things out pretty easily, even with the difficulties being higher. So it, it Prey's just a really well put together game that I'm very happy that I've got a chance to play. <laughs> yeah, I love that you said that the world feels lived in seeing as any object could be hiding an enemy inside it, which is one of my favorite things about Prey is that the mimics that you mentioned earlier can take the forms of everyday objects and you never know what might be a mimic until you walk up and then they pop out and try to attack you. Well, it's like there's that sense of like, you're just anticipating as you play, like you're just waiting for some, even I'm on story Good. difficulty and I'm still like on edge because anything can be, I mean, you know, a game does a good job when you start just swinging at objects just in case. <laughs> I'll, I'll never trust a coffee cup ever again. <laughs> no, as you shouldn't <laughs> because it, it, you just, it, it Yeah. It's just very a very good game, and more people need to play it. And it's on Game Pass, so you can go and you can play it and enjoy it. Anything is better uh, after playing Redfall. That's for yeah. sure. And, and I, once again, I think that's a big th reason why it's so disappointing because Prey is so good. <laughs> You, right, we you know what can be accomplished. Yeah, we know what can be accomplished. And again, this is sometimes you just have a bad launch. 
This one was a lot worse than a lot of other ones. And the optics for it were a lot worse because Xbox is having a lot of struggles. And then this is the first big AAA game in like a year and a half almost. And, and this is what came out. So here's hoping it sounds like uh, from what I've already seen online, it sounds like they're already staffing up for the next game. So they're already moving on and good riddance to them. <laughs> Because they need to go ahead and start on Prey 2. Just just calling it out. It won't be the Prey 2 I want. <laughs> because the Prey 2 I want was from Human Head and looked incredible and was a bounty hunter game. But this, I'm sure whatever they do with Prey 2 will be really good. Because I, I really think Redfall was a one-off. Because I feel like a lot more of it wasn't necessarily bad developers making a game. And I think it was more developers not knowing where they wanted to take a game. And even possibly being shoehorn I mean let's remember Bioware with being with being shoved into Anthem <laughs> there were a, there was a lot of things in Anthem that I played and I'm like okay this is there's they know what they're doing at least they just got pushed into a project that they didn't know how to accomplish yeah it could be a variety of factors but end day wasn't a good product so nope uh, I would say it's entirely their fault. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of how it goes. Luck of the draw every but once in a while. We can say Prey is better than Redfall. Yes. I'd, I'd have to agree there. All right. Well, that's Prey. Go play that. Prey, you Prey, played Prey. Redfall. Get, get, get some context about these developers, what they can actually do. I played Overwatch 2, as I usually do, but they had a new event, which is why I spent some time playing it. It's called Star Watch, and this is an interesting idea that they have. So think of a Splatfest with Splatoon, where you can kind of pick a team and play for that team, and whoever wins, you know, you see the results, and boom, there it is. So they're kind of taking that approach with this thing, and... It's based around the theme of the current season, which is kind of space and galactic. And so basically there is the team called the Watchers and they are kind of the rebels if for Star Wars, for example. And then you have Infinite, which would be the Empire uh, if we're making Star Wars references. So you could choose the Watchers or you could choose Infinite. And there are certain characters related to each side and then you play a match and determine who wins. But the kick is whoever wins the most matches at the end of all of this, Blizzard is going to make a comic uh, based on the results of this event. So whoever wins. So there's already a comic like about this event that you can read. So now we're like, playing out the thing and so at the end of it if infinite has the most then they'll make the comic based around the empire and what happens with them if the watchers win then vice versa so i actually think that's a really cool idea cool. and this is the second time we've seen two events in a row where it's kind of community driven. First one was they made a Twitch map and, you know, they let people basically guide Blizzard's direction on a new map. 
the map sucked, but it was fun. You know, like it was, it was overall a cool idea. Hey, you guys guided us in this community thing. Here's the map. All right. You guys get to play on the map for a certain amount of days. And it's cool. It's like a little meme or whatever, but it's fun to see like we put in, you know, some ideas and Blizzard helped us put it together. And now we get to play it. Millions of people get to play it. Cool idea. Now they're doing this a little bit more simplified in terms of what you actually do in terms of the game. But I like the idea of the end result. It goes further than what Splatoon does, where it's just you see the results and you move on with your life. There's an actual comic that will be available for everybody to read and, and enjoy. So really dope idea. I just wish the actual game was more interesting. So it is control and it it's, Control is kind of the king of the hill mode where you take a point, you hold the point, capture the point, you win. This does that on one of the older match watch watch point Gibraltar and turns it into like five control points that you have to fight over. So uh, you start the match. Corvo going to make a a quick addendum. It's actually the Horizon Lunar Colony map. Thank you. Thank you. It is Horizon Lunar Colony. Yes, it is Horizon. So, um, yes, Horizon. So picture in your mind Horizon. So um, so you're going through Horizon, and it's it's largely unchanged. They just added a few things, like turrets uh, to help defend. And then, obviously, you have the, the characters that you play. There, there's a few small uh, map updates in terms of, like, the terrain but other than that it's it's pretty much horizon lunar colony so there's five points you try to get the first one you get it you move on to the second one you move on to the third one fourth and fifth and then boom you're, you're pretty much done the whole point is i guess you're trying to rescue this ai if you are the watchers and you know just like payload there's an actual like story behind pushing the payload that's kind of what this is going on here. You're trying to get to the end and break through all the defenses of the 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 infinite to reach the AI that you're trying to rescue. So conceptually fun idea. In it uh, when you actually play it, it's fun for like you know seven matches or so. You get. It gets old after a while pretty quick, especially when you don't have the ability to choose whatever character you want. You're limited to the the pool that they've added for the sake of the story. Makes sense. But it still limits the the joy you can have because pretty much people just, they're just doing stuff. And sometimes, you know, you just get into a match. It's just like, dude, like, okay. Like, compositions ain't working. You're not going to switch. We're just, just lose. Or <laughs> like, just whatever. So it, it it's fun for a little bit, but I just, I, I've said in one of the previous videos, Overwatch is at its best when it's either really zany or it's really competitive because Overwatch at its core is a competitive game. When they lean in on that, it's very good. And when they lean in on the really zany, like they did with April Fools and even what they did with this community map, uh, it, it kind of works, but they have to lean into it. This is kind of like in between, like it's not quite competitive. It's not quite zany enough. It doesn't, it doesn't really commit to anything. It's just, uh, uh, 
Dude, I don't have words today. The frick is wrong with my brain. <laughs> it is a modification of a mode that's already there. You're just doing five of it. So like, it's just like, okay, like conceptually, like, yeah, to me, really that interesting. to me, the event feels like two CPs evil twin. And I'm, I'm personally of the opinion that I'm happy that Blizzard left two CP back in Overwatch one. Um, I'm somebody that didn't really enjoy that game mode. Um, and this is pretty much just an evolution of that. Instead of two checkpoints, there's five. Um, like you mentioned earlier, the defense has some automated turrets around the map and these little gravity wells that you can shoot. And the attackers have an AI doom fist that just throws oh, himself into the enemies four, and instantly it's just dies. Four players, huh? But yeah, yes, I mean, like you is. like you mentioned, I I think I share your sentiment where it's it's pretty fun for the first few times that you play it. Um, but I think if, if you're not already a fan of the, the checkpoint game mode, then I don't know if there's really a lot of fun to be had here outside the first initial playthroughs. Yeah. You forgot to remind me to put on the gameplay, David. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you're good. I should have remembered myself, but, um, yeah, so this is kind of what it looks like as you're going, it's overwatch. So, I mean, it, it hits that button, but you can see. Attack B, we're fighting over that, and that's that's pretty much the game all the way through. It doesn't change, doesn't become more interesting. The objective doesn't... I, I feel like that would be the difference maker for this mode. If the objective changed midway through. Like, at first, maybe, okay, you do control point, fine. The next point... Or the next half of it, or whatever. Maybe you got to push a payload. You know, I I don't know, like something. But you could tell, like everything or they could do literally is just, be push. <laughs> or it could be push. Yeah, it absolutely could do that. Like so, it just feels like they always limit themselves with specifically what they've created, time, resources. I get all that. I accept all that. But at the end, it just doesn't feel that interesting. So. I'm I'm also of the opinion that I, th I think by design Overwatch events I don't think everybody is going to universally love them. Um, you know, you might really enjoy this mode, and you know, somebody like me personally, I don't really like it. But I'm also somebody that really enjoys their PVE modes, like when they do their Halloween events. I eat that stuff up, but I know plenty of people that hate that stuff. Um, so I, I think Blizzard has a tough balancing act when they're making events like this of trying to make sure that a lot of their players are going to enjoy it. And, you know, I, I think it's okay to take a swing and a miss. Um, to me personally, I... I At least there's content plenty of times. after what we dealt yeah, with with Overwatch 1. <laughs> I, I'll always love content, but um, for this yeah, one, yeah, yeah. this personally to me feels more like an event to sell skins. Um I'm not saying one way or the other whether that's a bad thing, but that's just how it felt to me, at least. Yeah, this is why I say Overwatch is at its best when it leans into one or the other. It has to be an extreme because anything in the middle just doesn't feel great. Um, it's just kind of there. So, you know, they tried something with the, the whole... Uh, oh, wow, there's a revive there is yes okay um which makes it a little bit more interesting because you could either revive or just wait until respawn and you respawn at the point so okay 
So it allows you more chances to. Are, are there any limited lives in this, or is it one of those? No, you can die as much as you want. If you it's get revived, you're, it's just you're time. Good. It's just time. Yep. Okay. Just time. Yeah. See, so, to me, it would be more interesting uh, if there was some form of limited lives, like for the attack and defense or something like that. I think that would be a little too tough. I mean, that's literally um, that's a that's actually a control for uh, Call of Duty. It's two points and thirty lives for each team. Oh, I see. Oh, like a yeah, that could work. I'm not saying that obvi- you'd need more lives than that, but two points and fifty lives, like it makes sense. Or four, I think, four points I think and this, fifty lives. I think this works with Overwatch because of the way the abilities work and all the different styles of play. Like Call of Duty is pretty much you got a gun, shoot. This one has abilities, so the use of somebody down now you can make decisions with your abilities. You know. Like Baptiste, for example, you know, I could put down my lamp and now I could try to stay alive while I revive somebody if I'm in a dangerous situation. It's a, I think it's a w- more interesting way to figure out how to use your character's abilities rather than just, oh, I died. All right. Well, that that takes a life. So yeah. which, of course, the, uh, fa- the fact that they're doing they do the specific heroes, that's obviously a way to leverage what they've got to make it more interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm not entirely sure how much the mode is based around the abilities of the the characters they've chosen to to use for this but i mean it works it's fine <laughs> it's not groundbreaking or yeah. anything but it works so so that's the the new event um all right so obviously this is the eve of a very big game a lot of people are excited for Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. All of us here are people who were not thoroughly impressed with Breath of the Wild. I can hear the pitchforks coming. Yep. That's fine. Um, pitch, everybody's got a little pitchfork for people like us. That's fine. Because um, we got reasons. But... Um, that's not to say Breath of the Wild wasn't a bad game. It just, I think we are of the people who have a certain itch. And our certain itch, and you can jump in on this and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our itch is just, it's not necessarily that we don't like open world, creative kind of Zelda. We just like a little bit more. Um, I like more structure and direction. <laughs> That's yes. the easiest way to put it. Yes. I still had a great time with Breath of the Wild, and it's it really is a great game. I just personally am not a huge fan of the um, shrine gameplay loop, I'll call it that. Yeah, I agree. There's so many shrines. And weapon durability can go die in a fire. Well, yes, that, that always can, can burn. Um, and apparently it doesn't get that much better in Tears of the Kingdom, according to skill up so i don't know i'm that yeah just pick up just <laughs> exactly pick up as many tree it. branches as you can anthony <laughs> i i think tears of the kingdom still has enough mystery to make me want to play it you know the whole like melding yeah. weapons together new new powers to play with I think I'm still going to be blown away by this game. Well, in the I'm end, just, it's another Zelda game. Like, why yeah, wouldn't you want to try right, it? At right. least try it. <laughs> so I bring it up because what is the thing 
that turned you off from Breath of the Wild, and what do you want to see from Tears of the Kingdom when you do play it? Anybody can go. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned my mild irk with the shrine gameplay loop. I'm just personally not somebody that likes wandering around the map doing puzzles and just repeating that action ad nauseum until the credits roll. So I'm hoping for maybe a little bit more depth in interacting with the environment and I'm crossing my fingers with how vertical the game looks and new places to explore. I'm just looking for a little bit more reason to walk around besides shrines. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit on this. I I actually agree with you, but because there are so many freaking shrines, but <laughs> over a hundred, right? Yeah. So I can imagine people out there would be like, well, you don't have to do all the shrines. You could go do other things, right? So the, the amount of choice that you have, I think people could argue that what you decide to do determines how good the game is or isn't, which could be a could be a good or bad thing, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Because if if you, you if you just hit the shrines all the time, yeah, you're probably going to get burned out and you don't want to play it anymore. That's your fault. But but I would argue they also put a hundred and something shrines in there. So like if almost you know every ten ten freaking acres you go, like there's a shrine, and and they make it like attractive and they want you to go in there and you get rewarded for it and you do want that a reward that's kind of on them too on on nintendo for designing it that way what would you say about that yeah i mean i definitely enjoy engaging with shrines i just don't want that to be all i'm doing in the game and i think you did make a good point where you know at the end of the day how you decide to play the game is up to you and I, I am somebody that skipped over some shrines just because I didn't feel like doing them. I wanted to do other stuff. And I'm glad that Breath of the Wild gives you that option. And I'm sure that's something that will carry over into Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but like I mentioned, if if I had one pain point with Breath of the Wild, if I had to pick one, that would be it. So moving into Tears of the Kingdom, that's really just what I'm hoping for is just more reasons to explore more interesting things to interact with outside of shrines. Yeah, mine easily weapon breaking. <laughs> there's there's no question about it. Not a it. fan just, of the of the weapons breaking after like oh, seven no. hits. No, no, not not one bit. Here's what I'll give Tears of the Kingdom credit for. When I first watched the the full like 13 minute gameplay that uh IG Aunov uh did, um I was like, oh, I get it now. I get what Nintendo is trying to do. Because Tears of the Kingdom is so far down the creative path. I was like, oh, this is very obvious what they were originally trying to accomplish with Breath of the Wild, which was be creative. So the best way to do that in a combat form is your weapons break. Figure out what what you're going to do now. (laughs) You go pull out your bows. You're going to pick up a weapon. You're going to create a new weapon. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And people who are super creative and like problem solving in that kind of way they'll eat that up but me combat is a i don't have the time to be creative (laughs) 
well, <laughs> combat is just a means to an end for me. Like I, when when I engage in combat, the point is is to defeat the enemy, not figure out which way I'm going to defeat the enemy. So like, I that part I just want done for me in terms of not not the enemy being defeated for me, but. I don't want to have to have a bunch of decision making while I am in the middle of combat because I know what I want to do. I want to kill this enemy. My weapon breaks. Now I have to think about something I don't really want to think about. I don't want to think about, okay, which weapon do I want to use? I knew which weapon I wanted to use, but it broke. So like, now you're forcing me to, to be challenged in a way that I don't want to be challenged. If I have X weapon, and that weapon breaks and I don't have another weapon that is either as strong or comparable, then now the it's harder than it needs to be. Now you could say, well, you should have created more. Yeah, okay, sure. But who says I'm always chasing combat, right? So like that's the kind of dichotomy I kept running into when i was playing breath of the wild because i would just i'd just go out and do stuff just do whatever and then i get into a situation and i get into a fight and it's like all right well ah my weapon bro oh shoot that was the last one i I didn't even know that was the last one i had you know like so now i'm in this situation it's like okay i could run maybe depends on the situation so i just felt like that was not a great way to handle that I get why they do it now. I get it. And I respect it. And they doubled down on it in Tears of the Kingdom. So I'm willing to give it another chance with Fuse. Skill Up says it it really doesn't help with Fuse. And in fact, it's probably a little more clunky because there's more menus you have to deal with. But I'm willing to give it a chance. So to Nintendo's credit, they're doing their job. But uh, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. Perhaps the rest of the game, the exploration the discoveries, the not as many shrines, the new dungeons will entice me to play longer, perhaps even finish it. We'll see. What's your gripe, David? If you had one. I mean, mine, weapon breaking. my biggest Unless thing. Unless yours was weapon breaking. <laughs> well, I don't like the weapon breaking. <laughs> that, that was definitely in there. Uh, really, for me... Um, I prefer to at least I I don't want to be funneled but I do want to be led in a direction and I felt like that was just completely lacking and absent from Breath of the Wild like it, it there wasn't a lot of hey go here and <laughs> you would like the choice of being yeah. able to just go here yeah it's like you know I <laughs> There are a lot of people out there who just straight up don't have the time and just want to, you know, I want to go from point A to point B, do that and move from to point C. Uh, there's not much of that at all in Breath of the Wild. Uh, I want, I like in a big RPG-ish game, I would like quest logs and stuff like that to help me know what I'm doing. Now, I'm not going to say they do a terrible job because the map is they give well you done. They give you information. Yeah. It's just yeah, not yeah. as nailed down as I would like it to be. Uh, I don't want to have to rely completely on myself figuring it out. Um, some game, some things in the game, like we, we've just talked about with Survivor. Survivor doesn't force you anywhere. 
but it does a really good job of leading you, which some of that is to the, its defense. It's not a completely open world. So that does make it a little easier to gently no. push you in the direction. But Metroid does the exact same thing. Yeah. Metroid is technically funneled, Yeah, but they block access in certain ways. And so yeah. now you're having to use your brain about, okay, yeah. I, oh, shoot, I can't go here. Let me try going over here. Oh, I can't go yeah. here. Let me try. Go-. So you're, there's, you're there's, still exploring. And I guess there's still less options because <laughs> Breath of the Wild is sure. just straight up. Sure. Hey, fam, you get out of this place. You can go straight to the final boss if you want to. Right. (laughs) There's nothing. It's just like, you know, you got to figure this out the whole way. And there's so much that I did not do in Breath of the Wild, uh, partially because I just stopped playing it because I, I just found myself not enjoying it because I like to explore. But there comes a point where I just am like, okay, I'm ready to do the main stuff and breath of the wild the main stuff is exploring (laughs) and you figure out what the main stuff is as you do it so i I guess that's where i'm at with that because open world like uh, for instance spider-man marvel spider-man you can go and do all the main quests if you want what i did was i did everything just about up until the very final mission and then I ran around finishing the side missions I hadn't done and the side things so that when I finished that final struck that final blow, the platinum trophy popped True, and it was yeah. like is done. I that's not the way that I feel when I'm playing Breath of the Wild. And I hope nope. I know that I'm hearing different conflicting things and whatnot, but I hope it's even just a little bit more direction would be appreciated playing tears of the kingdom. I think it's option for a waypoint for me would go very far. Yes. (laughs) I was just going to mention, I think it's totally reasonable to validate the other side as well. Just because I, I know there's people that that's their favorite aspect of breath of the wild is that there really is no, uh, forced objective on you and you're free to explore at your own leisure. Nobody's pushing you to go do the main story. And I know that's definitely what draws some people to the game, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Oh no, it's no, just, no, no! It's it just no. depends on Preference. how you like to play the game. Yeah, and I guess well, that's that, that's, that's why the I, problem. Well, and that's why I the, respect the, something the, like Skyrim. There, there's nothing telling me to do the main story at all. It's just there if I want to do it, but at least I'm directed to it easier. I, I apologize. Uh, I must. I accidentally no, interrupted you from where it came on my side. Uh, you say play it the way you want to. I can't <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, there is no way for me to <laughs> do that. So like, so that's like, there's no need to defend the other side because the other it's designed for the other side. What about me? Yeah, about I'm, I'm not. I'm not squashing anybody's opinion. I'm just for, no, no. I'm just putting it out there. You know, I I totally get yeah. the other side because I'm I I think I'm on both sides here really because. You know, sometimes I booted up Breath of the Wild to just explore and do random stuff. And then other times I booted it up and only wanted to do quests. I didn't want to look around anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I it's it really just depends on your own personal feelings. And I I definitely get both sides. And I'm interested to see how Tears of the Kingdom manages expectations for both kinds of players. Yeah, I just I don't think Nintendo is sacrificing 
their design vision by allowing players to funnel themselves. If y'all want to be funneled, go ahead and funnel yourself. That's fine. Because after you're done with the game, I mean, dear Lord, there's not, it's not like there's nothing to do. <laughs> don't so don't much- remind me about the 999 Koroks to find. That literally yeah, are pointless. Well, That's the worst yeah. part. Well, apparently they did that on purpose. They didn't want people to find all of them. So um, that's why they made 999 of them. But, you know, that's why you got nothing after it. But, uh, but yes, I mean, even still, there's there's no shortage of things to do. I mean, good Lord, the way Tears of the Kingdom is set up, if it's if it's not nearly as directional as, uh, or, or if it's as non-directional as Breath of the Wild, I mean, you're basically got GTA online in Zelda form at this point. You just go do whatever. Like you want to create a rocket boat, go go for it. Like crash it into a Korok, sure. Like do it. Do you. You want to beat Ganondorf with a boat? Try it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like somebody's going to figure out how to use all this stuff and do some crazy stuff. And, and that, that's the beauty of the game. But I just... Me and David, you know, we just we Google Maps. Yep. We over here Google Maps every once in a while. Yeah. It, one of the things uh, that Gene Park had to say is he said, you know, some some things you don't have to go crazy. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, I built a bridge. There we go. So it's like I appreciate yeah, yeah. I appreciate that form of exploring because. That's a it's. On that side of it, it's like, okay, I build a bridge, I just go. I don't have to think of anything elaborate. Like, with literally giving me quest, giving me the the main quest of what I'm doing, there, I could, like, like uh, Anthony was saying, there wasn't a way I could play it the way I wanted. It's, you explore, or you, or you just aren't ex- playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> and and with this whole other system, it's like, okay, I can come up with something just basic and do it. Or I could go nuts with whatever I'm building <laughs> to accomplish my goal. So I, I like I said, that that doesn't sound like it'll be nearly as bad beyond the controls from what I hear they are a bit of a nightmare. I heard they're not much different yeah. anyway, so I guess there's that. Yep. All right. I don't even know how long ago this was, but (laughs) when they announced that Zelda would be $70, Nintendo had to do a little bit of like, hey, it's okay, guys. It'll be worth it. So it got us thinking, all right, well, this is the first Nintendo franchise that will be priced at $70. And so we were wondering, man, what other franchise would be $70? So I came up with the say it out loud test. All you do, just say it out loud. You can do that for anything in life. You're not sure how much something should be. Say it out loud and (laughs) you'll probably figure it out. So we're going to do that right now. I have created a tier maker and it's really hard to see for some reason. But uh, we got a few Nintendo franchises to choose from. We're going to say it out loud. We're going to see what our guts say about these franchises is it $70 or would it be $70 or is it not $70? All right. So here we go. Mario, a traditional 3D Mario. If, $70. If I'm thinking about a game like Super Mario Odyssey, 
I I would pay seventy dollars for a Super Mario game. I'm paying seventy dollars. Yeah, ma- mainline mainline Mario games are an easy seventy. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking seventy also. Mainline 3D Mario. Okay, so let's let's mix it up though. What about Mario Kart? Is that seventy Mario Kart? I think you'd have a hard time uh, selling me on a seventy dollar price tag for Mario Kart unless there was some substantial upgrade from their previous entry. Um, Otherwise, why wouldn't you just play their previous entry for much lower price? Well, here's the thing. Mario Kart is the highest selling Nintendo Switch game. Nintendo could be like, who's not going to pay for Mario Kart? (laughs) We released the Mario Kart 9. Who's not going to pay $70 for that Mario Kart? David? I also I think Nintendo is inventive enough to get that $70 from you (laughs) because I, because I think that there's the Mario Kart is obviously a staple of racing games in general, but they always feel like they come up with something interesting when the next Mario Kart comes out. I'm not saying it's tremendously different, but there always feels like there's just something about the new entry, the, the, that new cart smell, you know? Yeah. That mm-hmm. they find a New way tracks. to, yeah, like they find a way to ma- breathe life into each entry, and it, it's. I feel like with eight lasting as long as it has, they know that nine would have to be pretty heavy duty, um, especially considering there's a good chance we're going to be next switch by the time nine comes out. So yeah. they'll be finding way to leverage new hardware. My thing is, look at what they're doing with Mario Kart 8 now, and they st- they're they still making the DLC courses for it. So imagine if Mario Kart 9 was that jam-packed. They'd be like, there's more, $70. That's it. <laughs> it's just, this, okay. I don't know. I, I think I, there's I, a part I, of me. That- I think they'd have to bring some serious heat to get $70 out of my pocket. For Mario Kart? For Mario Kart, at least. Okay, what heat would they have to bring? It's hard to say just because of how expansive Mario Kart 8 is. I'd, I'd be kind of at a <laughs> loss for words about how much how much more they would have to pump into their next entry for that $70 price tag or if if the Mario Kart oh. name enough is alone to warrant that $70 price tag. That's fair. All right, so here's where I actually stand. I, I think Mario Kart would... Stick around 60 because most people who buy Mario Kart are not your average gamers anyway. So I think trying to sell them on now, yes, Nintendo could get away with it because, you know, if we look at Pokemon, dear Lord, or, you know, two versions, every single series uh, and, you know, not your average gamer also plays Pokemon. So and that is the highest grossing franchise just ever, period, anything. So. I feel like mm, I, I still kind it's of feel like Mario Kart would be at sixty. I know that one's a tough one. David, what's your final? I'm I'm on verdict? the seventy. I think they get You're it. on the seventy. Yeah. So it seems Stayed like Anthony. Loud. It seems Mario like you're the Kart. you're the tiebreaker. It sounds like yeah. Uh, sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with sixty. All right, They'll all do right. DLC. All right, punch out. No shot. 
Those shot at something. I, I, I would be surprised at a sixty dollar. Like, and it's, I know I can't even see that sixty. It's, it's not seventy. It's mainly because I don't know how you build the game into more than just what it is. <laughs> yeah, like I personally and that's, couldn't even see it at sixty. That's the only reason yeah. I'm there. Well, if they can charge sixty dollars for arms, they can charge sixty dollars for Punch Out. That's a good point. But that's why we made it not 70. (laughs) (laughs) We're not splitting hairs here. It's 70 or not 70. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, Xenoblade Chronicles franchise. 70. Oh. And I'm not saying that that. because of appeal I'm in that sense. I'm saying it because I think the game itself is big enough to warrant it. Like in the sense of Mm. like they're expansive and have a lot to them. I mean, our own reviewer for it it felt like it took a month just to review Xenoblade Chronicles 3. <laughs> so you have enough jam-packed in there that I don't think... And the, it's more of a hardcore base. It's not really a casual base for that game. So it's easier to be like, okay, we'll pay it. Because they're rabid. Okay, yeah. That's a that's a fair argument. I was going to say it's, it's just not... It doesn't have the cachet of a $70 game. It doesn't have the cachet of a Mario, you know, where... So you can make you could absolutely make the argument there's there's less people but they're more hardcore so you just soak them as much money from them as possible but I don't know Nintendo fans are weird they're they're weird in their franchises uh, you laugh because you know it's true so I'm not sure Xenoblade oh yeah <laughs> I'm not speaking on this one. (laughs) I'm not sure that they would pay $70 for it. Like that, that hardcore base. I think they have been, uh, they like Xenoblade Chronicles and they will play it and they probably would buy it, but they would be so begrudgingly, you know? And yes, yes. Nintendo would be like, ha ha, we got you, but they would care about the feelings of their fans, I think. So you don't want your you don't want your fans begrudgingly buying your game. You know, you just want them to go get it. And at sixty dollars, you go get it because Xenoblade Chronicles Three was absolutely humongous, and it's sixty dollars. So what more humongous can you make it to make it seventy dollars? So I'm I'm going with not seventy. Yeah, I've I've got no real formulated opinion on this one just because I've never played a Xenoblade Chronicle game. Um but I I have heard of the game before at least. Um so I know that <laughs> it's popular enough for me to know about it, but it's still there not have played it. Right. Um you know, so I I feel like my opinion on this one does it does not hold as much merit as you two. Um I I think that it would probably for me still be under 70. Just because I'm I'm not sure that it's popular enough, at least within my circle, to warrant it being 70. But I do know that the games are pretty popular, and I would say large enough to become 70 if they did go that route. Okay, that's fair. Lar- larger, more production, higher price. I get that argument. I get that argument. All right, so you're going not 70, Corvo? 
Yes, with my with my one point opinion. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, I'm you're, you are the you are. That's the good thing about having three today is it's we got tiebreakers. <laughs> yeah, uh, not seventy. All right, Animal Crossing, seventy. I think this is a seventy. 70. Because of how the last one performed, it's seventy. <laughs> I, I, that <laughs> I agree. Is, that it, again, it's a, again, it's a. It, it comes down to a. We know we can charge it, and people will buy it without thinking twice. It, it falls into that category of those there games because yes. I will Do buy Animal Crossing. Twice. I will buy Animal Crossing at seventy. Yes, I I would too. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. say it out loud. Animal Crossing seventy. All right, Duck Hunt. Say it out loud. No chance. I, I don't think there's any way that this is a $70 game. Here's how it's a $70 game. Oh, my. Oh, but here we go. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna say Xenoblade Chronicles is, uh, what did you say it was? Not 70 or 70? I said 70. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Because they're including a peripheral in the box. I knew you guys. <laughs> that, it, that makes Duck Hunt, it's, it's a specialty nintendo light gun thing because you got to make it the light you got to bring back the light gun and this is the only and this is the only way that they are selling it they're not selling duck hunt separate you don't get to sell it separately you got to buy the one with the light gun that's how it gets to 70 (laughs) is the franchise worth 70 there will be plenty of people out there that will buy it for, I'm, for I'm the not, nostalgia, not, for the nostalgia, and for the memes. I'm not letting Duck We're Hunt 70? into no. the castle on a technicality. Okay? <laughs> no, There's no, no chance. Not 70. Hey, I had to try it. That's seventy. <laughs> All right, Splatoon. I I have mm. not played a ton of Splatoon, but the Splatoon that I have played has been pretty enjoyable. I I think there's a way that they could eke out seventy bucks on a Splatoon game. <laughs> They could barely like not seventy answer. They could barely eke out Splatoon three that wasn't Splatoon two. So, if we're going with the Mario Kart argument, then I'm I'm not seventy on Splatoon. I just Splatoon. think I, I think the dedicated players of Splatoon and, and there would, are a bunch would, in Japan, so I understand what seven. you're saying. Yeah, I, I I'm but just I, could, saying, I could I could argue I could the same the thing shelf. with Mario Kart though. And Mario Kart has a much more recognizable name. What do you think, Anthony? I'm going not 70. Splatoon oh. is great, but it it it's largely the same over and over. They they do a great job with new story modes, but in terms of the multiplayer, it's pretty much the same. I don't think it's a seven. I don't think you could charge people seventy dollars for that one. I'll I'll, I'll seed my one. opinion on this one. We can let this one be not seventy. I can see the argument for it. <laughs> F zero. It's kind of another tough one for me. I I can't say that I've played a ton of F zero to really have a strong opinion one way or the other. Uh, what do you think, David? So, and I'm not going with the peripheral <laughs> thing here. I promise. I here's here's the <laughs> reason. Spell an arcade cabinet with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, and I'm not even, I don't even know that I'm convinced in the sense of like, this is 70, but what I'm getting at here is F zero has not been around. So you can relaunch it (laughs) 
So it's kind of got that new game smell to it since it's an unknown and you can put 70 on, you can create a $70 franchise with it compared to like something like, you know, Splatoon, people know what they're getting out of it. They paid 60 for it and they're probably not going higher. Zelda has the benefit of it's just one of the best games in the world. So it, it can go to 70 and people won't care. Uh, F-Zero, I feel like it can fall into that category of we can relaunch this and find a way to make it a $70 game. <laughs> I Fascinating take. I think he might be onto something, honestly. If, if they released, you know, an F-Zero of a certain caliber and, you know, with that sort of relaunch, kind of rebranding the franchise into something like that, I, I think it's possible. Okay, F-Zero would have to be graphically the most technologically You're not ridiculous wrong. I totally Switch agree. Which <laughs> game? Like, it has to be, like, frame rate is butter, and it's, like, F-Zero GX advanced in terms of the look. That's the only way, maybe. Yeah, there's maybe. no, there's no hence, getting around. Hence why it would have to be a Switch 2 launch title. <laughs> or, or on the Switch no. 2 in general. When I say F zero out loud, I don't think seventy dollars. I think sixty or less. So it's going in this not seventy. I don't think any of you have. Well, I said se- I said seventy. Here. Yeah, I, no. I'm, I think I'm with Anthony as it currently stands. Unless you know they come out tomorrow That's with right. the craziest trailer I've ever seen, <laughs> which Nintendo <laughs> but, can. Know, uh, it, it is possible, uh, but you know, with current is, given information, I, I think I'm comfortable. The Switch is there. more powerful than GameCube, but yes, you're right, Corvo. Uh, it would have to be ridiculous. Fire Emblem. I'm I'm kind of outing myself here by by announcing how many of these titles I haven't played. But <laughs> you know what? Every person that I know that loud. has played Fire Emblem has told me that it that I need to play it. And I need to get around to playing those games. So I know that there's a demand for it, but I, you know, just like with uh, Xenoblade, I I really don't have a strong opinion on this one. I feel like the name carries a weight that could be 70. But I do think that it it can fall a bit niche. niche But it did sell 1.6 million copies, so. Fire Emblem straddles this. It's like it's almost super mainstream. Yeah, super mainstream. Whatever. It's almost mainstream. Not 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 nearly on the level of a Pokemon, but it feels like it's almost on the level of a Mario. Even it's certainly very 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 close to an Animal Crossing, if not even in some ways surpassing Animal Crossing. So I, when I say Fire Emblem. I feel like it could be a $70 game. I, I, I can agree with that. I don't think I would be surprised at all to see a $70 price tag on a Fire Emblem game. That's also a game that it feels like you can add to and, and make it worthy of the $70 price tag. <laughs> I don't know if this add-on thing always <laughs> I just I just mean in the sense of like game development. Like, like it, it feels like you can ask, like you could put in enough to be able to ask seventy for it. Like Zelda already has it, where it's like, oh, okay, we got the branding, and there's enough in this to charge you seventy for it. Yeah, Breath <laughs> of the Wild too. Yeah, seventy. Okay, great. Yeah, Star Fox. 
this this kind of goes into the same territory as as F Zero for me, where I, I think they would need to do something quite substantial. I wouldn't risk it with Star Fox's recent. T- uh, you gonna have to just about put him out as an indie game <laughs> right now. <laughs> Like it, you're gonna have to go like like Corvo said. It, you're talking full rebrand. Uh, arguably, you'd almost have to turn this into Starfield. That Star Fox is going to visit new planets and get out and go chat with people and RPG it up almost. Oh, that would be weird. I agree. Star Fox is not a seventy dollar game franchise. Do a barrel uh, roll. All right, Donkey, Donkey Kong. I don't know that it should be 70, but I think Nintendo will ask 70. Oh, you think? I'm kicking this one around in my head because I, I guess I could see it going both ways where I, I think David might be right where they, they could definitely, I could see them asking 70 for it, but I'm I'm just kind of wondering to myself if it would be of the caliber to deserve such a higher price tag. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, there's there's the thing with Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all that. Sometimes you pay him for the name. Donkey Kong's got a, a familiar name, but he doesn't have that name. You know, when you when you say Donkey Kong, it's like okay, yeah, Donkey Kong. I like Donkey Kong. He's cool. He's a good platformer. I, I like it. Asking seventy. I'd like to point. I'd like to point out one example that does go in my favor on this. Nintendo charged ten more dollars for the re-release of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the Switch than they did that it actually costs on the Wii U. It was forty nine ninety nine on the Wii U at launch. On the Switch, as a re-release, was sixty dollars. Yes, correct. What's your point? They think they can ask a higher price on that game. Maybe on Tropical Freeze, but the whole franchise, Donkey Kong? Nah. I completely I completely agree nah. with it because they're going to make bigger mainline games for Donkey Kong. We're not... And, again, who's willing to pay more than $60 for a Donkey Kong well, I didn't Kong say game. that people are willing. Uh, I'm just saying that they're going to charge it. It's not a this is not a seventy dollar franchise. This is that you, you I, no, you don't I, I you don't charge I Donkey Kong. I agree with Anthony. I'm I'm a little unconvinced. Personally. Yeah, besides the switch from the the switch from the Wii U to the Nintendo Switch with Donkey Kong, I mean they did they did that with uh Mario Kart eight also. So like sixty dollars was the standard. Yeah, but Mario Kart eight was a brand spanking that. new game. This we're not this was literally a re release of the same game. Mario Kart 8 was on the Wii U first, and then they released the deluxe version on the Switch, which gave you everything. So, yeah. yes, they well, had was, a reason to charge There was actual extra content. <laughs> sure, yeah, it, that's fair. But with Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, like, nobody bought it in the first place. So, because there weren't enough Wii U owners, so it's not like nobody cared and it wasn't good. It was good. It was actually very good. But, yeah, you charge you charge max price on that. It's on the Switch now. So... There's a whole bunch of people who didn't get to play it. You got, you know, 20 more million switches out there than you had on the Wii U. Yeah, you're going to charge $60 for that sucker, porting it over and up it a little bit. That's what you do. 
So no, no, I don't, I don't buy it. Corvo doesn't buy it. It's not 70. But what about Earthbound? Say it out loud. Earthbound to me sounds like a $70 game. Oh, I I think they would have an opportunity to do to do a 70 for Earthbound. I don't see a world in which if this game actually came out that they don't find a way to make it big. Like Nintendo's the kind they will Mm. make whatever game they want and that's what they will turn it into. And I just if they're going to invest in a franchise like that, they're going to put that Nintendo magic into it. Okay, but historically, what has Earthbound been? Has it even been? I mean, does it feel like a $70 like? You could charge seventy dollars. It, for it that? makes me no. think of a Pokemon kind of style RPG to a degree, like in the sense of yeah. scale of what it was. So, if we look at how Pokemon has grown, then I could see Earthbound growing the same way. You think Earthbound is on the same level of Fire Emblem or Mario in terms? Of I price? think it could. I think it could be. I think it could be in the vein of a like a Fire Emblem or something like that RPG wise. I think it could be, but when we say it right now, Earthbound. Yeah, it's it's definitely I hear one 70. of those. It's definitely one of those what if scenarios more than like uh, we have definitive evidence for this type yeah. of like thing. Mario. We know they're they're right. charging 70 Animal Crossing. We know they're charging 70 Fire Emblem. We're pretty convinced they would charge 70. You gonna say that about Earthbound? I think so. I think I, I think you relaunch that you're relaunching it big. If If Nintendo managed to make some way where they got people very interested in the opportunity for this franchise to become something larger i i think maybe it is possible they could go 70 but with current interests i'm i'm not sure they could break the 60 dollars barrier i agree with that i don't think there's enough interest in earthbound not because earthbound is bad there's just not enough people who actually know about it and care about earthbound so nintendo would have to do a whole bunch to make people care to pay 70 dollars i just think nintendo for a franchise a good job that's been pretty latent and they, they very do a good well job care. at making you pick I, care. I think this is probably one of the hardest ones that I've had to make a decision on in this list so far, <laughs> just because I I mean, Earthbound was pretty interesting to me when I played through it, but I love Earthbound. I, yeah. But then I, I think about what a modern Earthbound would need to be and how they would need to garner interest. And I'm I just feel like they would probably go 60. It's it's a not 70 for me. That's for sure. I'm not paying 70 for that. David's paying 70. Corvo? I I think I'm going to I'm I'm going to go not 70 on this one. Not as, 70. As much All as right. it as it pains me. I I think that <laughs> I, mean, I, I would love I would love less money. <laughs> I would love an extremely amazing new Earthbound game at $70, but will we get one? Uh, I'm not so sure. All right, well it. This one we kind of we kind of already have some data on this, but Pikmin. Uh, I mean, uh, just just based on what's out out there, obviously, is it makes it easy because it is sixty dollars. But I don't think Nintendo could get away with price because it's that one's one. It's just it's such a niche game. Like the, the, there aren't yeah. n- Nintendo games tend to be somewhat niche, but at least they have their market, and this just doesn't feel like it has much of one. <laughs> I, I'll always go to bat for Pikmin. I'm a, I'm a huge Pikmin enjoyer. Um, <laughs> but creeping up to $70, I, I think they would need to... They'd need to put some some more sauce on that game, I think. You know, 
There just be it would need to be bigger in scope. I know they've got like multiplayer aspects and things like that. I'm I'm not exactly certain what the blueprint for a seventy dollar Pikmin game would look like, but you know if if that's something they invested more resources into, I could see it. But honestly, as much as I love Pikmin, it would probably still be a sixty dollar game. Corvo's like they throw in a plushie, <laughs> <laughs> and it's mandatory. <laughs> that's that's the amiibo the, it's yeah exactly now. scan the what are, plushie what are you thinking on this one anthony oh this is no question not 70 there's no there's no way pikmin would ever be 70 dollars I'll, I'll accept it doesn't this. have enough people i'll accept it does not have enough people no no you you stand by your 70 <laughs> stand on your 70 you're just not I, gonna no, get it i just I, I see both sides you know as as much as i love i don't pikmin. need you to see both sides i need you to stand on one all right <laughs> 70 or not 70 all right pokemon easy 70, 70. I, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be any opposition. If Breath of the Wild is the easiest 70, this one's right behind it. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, holding hands into those pearly, pearly we just, gates. We, we just watched two of the like, worst optimized Pokemon games come out and broke records. <laughs> People yep. literally don't <laughs> care. They will spend money. Like, Nintendo can package both of them together. For the same price, for the same price as if you bought them separately, and people still buy them. Like, there's no yeah. benefit to the package beyond a couple <laughs> Pokeballs, and people still spit, go. Do you have that package, <laughs> bro? Farm a little bit, you'll get to Pokeballs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people still Dude, go crazy. The mic. And there's no, and there's no discount. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what gets me. There's no discount to the pack. No, there, there is not. Uh, yes, Pokemon. That's seventy dollars franchise. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right, Metroid. Say it out loud. I just the the way that Metroid games function. I think it would be hard to expand that so largely into a seventy dollars game. Um. That's not to say that the Metroid games aren't interesting enough to be expanded that way. I just don't really see a way that they would be able to do that currently to make feel, it interesting enough, I guess, is the way to say it. I feel, would you pay 70 for Metroid? I feel I like after 70. I feel like after Dread and what Remastered has been able to accomplish, I think 70 would be possible. Like, I agree because it it's be it, possible. and it's mainly because it, it feels like it's in those tiers of the fire emblems and the animal crossings is it is a mainline a very much a mainline Nintendo franchise. I agree with that, but it doesn't sell like a mainline Nintendo franchise. I was, that's that's the kicker. I think I'm of that um, similar opinion as well, which is weird. It always sells well. It just doesn't yeah. sell like a Zelda, like a Mario, like a Pokemon um, I would say it's closer to Fire Emblem. I would say that, which is why I think it would be possible. Metroid Prime Four, possibly. Yep. You you launch that 70. as a big reboot for the series. Heck, who knows? Throw a multiplayer in, you can get seventy. I'm gonna say sixty though. I'm going to say sixty. I don't think. I think it's a sixty dollar franchise. Um, I'll definitely don't go lower than that. That's for sure. Um, 
yeah, I just don't think, I still don't think Metroid has enough cachet on the scale of a Animal Crossing even to justify the fan base for $70. I think it's a $60 franchise. Which one did you say, Corvo? I'd, I'd say 60 as well. I think that's valid. All right. Kirby. This is not 70 for I, me. I, I, love, love Kirby. I love Kirby to death, and I don't oh, think love it's 70. Kirby. Yeah. Like, Kirby's one of my first games. On this one. Kirby's one of my first games. Kirby's Adventure. Beat the heck that's out of that one. game on the original Nintendo. Yeah. And like it's just, I, I can't see a world in which you make it worth that. Kirby's Dreamland 2 is in my top 10 of all time. Nice. Still don't think that's a $70 franchise. You can't charge no. people $70 for Kirby. Love Kirby, but no. All right. Super Smash Brothers. This falls into easy $70. <laughs> I, I again, I, I people will buy it and won't even think about it. <laughs> you, you get Agreed. games of these magnitudes that have such a following behind rabbit so fan prevalent <laughs> yeah it's i think this clears clears the 60 mark into 70 well, pretty comfortably and, and i mean think yeah. about what nintendo did with ultimate they not only sold it at 60 dollars, but then proceeded to be able to charge people for what four expansion packs with, i bought them all uh, again with <laughs> without people even thinking of it. and not that's not even counting the fact I of thought the, about the it. professional <laughs> the professional scene behind the game People are going to buy it and just not think about it. Yep. What about WarioWare? No no way. (laughs) There's just not not enough meat on the bones. Yeah. You you can't. There's not enough game there. Which I think that one, uh, the, the newest one on the Switch was 50. Was it 50? When when it came out, I believe it was 50. But I, I don't see a way it. that you can put enough into it to make it a seventy dollar game. Like, there's no yeah. relaunch of WarioWare that gets there. Not seventy for me. Wii Sports. I I don't see seventy dollars on this one either. See, hear me out. It comes with the Joy-Con Plus. <laughs> <laughs> This guy works for Nintendo, doesn't he? <laughs> this guy's in the peripheral department. He's trying to sell you bits and bobbles for all your games. <laughs> no, oh, no. I, it, I, I don't not by no itself. Way. Not by itself. It's it's not. Yeah, it's <laughs> if I it mean, had you, some required peripheral, yes, but <laughs> you look at Switch Sports, you know, everybody was like, oh, a new Wii Sports game is coming out, and then it comes out, and nobody's playing it. Well, it I also just, had quite a bit of functionality that just I, was not good, like yeah, Nintendo's yeah. online. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any way that this is in the same rank as, like, Pokemon and Mario. There's just no chance. No. I agree, but I'm going to say 70. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear an explanation on that. Suckers buy Wii Sports, <laughs> yep. and there's a lot of suckers out there I, who would yep. buy it. And so Nintendo's like, "Is that enough hey. to bank on, though?" Yes, yes, for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know how many? You see how many people? Sorry, dude. We we sold off the shelves, right? 
And the and the game that stayed with all the casuals was Wii Sports. And so imagine this. Nintendo markets to all those people once again, trying to get them to buy Wii Sports. It'll come with something. It'll come to, with something to justify that $70. But they will charge $70. And the people who really enjoyed Wii Sports, if they if they Nintendo marketed it right, which they didn't do with Wii the this last Wii Sports. It was cut up too, wasn't it? Like it didn't even have every game in there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but if you if you did it in a way that it was like, no, this is for y'all. All right. Y- y'all get a Switch and get Wii Sports. I think they could get away with charging $70 for Wii Sports. Is it on the same level as a Mario? As a Pokemon? As a Fire Emblem or Animal Crossing or Smash? Absolutely not. But... Is it a $70 franchise? Yes. <laughs> Simply because. Hey, I, I remember selling Wii Sports Resort with the plus. Everybody was looking for it. With the attachment for your Wii remote. Suckers. Yep. I, I, Think about I, suckers. I remain unconvinced on this one, but if you both believe 70, we can put it up there. <laughs> well, I don't know if David actually believes 70, but. No, I I honestly, I, I could see it. Mainly because, like you said, suckers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Corvus, not 70. David, you are? What is thumbs up? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, you are? Okay. No, that's what (laughs) I was saying. I believe it because I believe the casual audience is there for it. And again, you you throw a random accessory in there that does something that you claim it does like the gyro sensor for the Wii remote the yeah Wii, yeah the Wii remote plus <laughs> yep <laughs> you can make it 70 easily yeah there you go and I, I i just wanted to mention i don't think that we're necessarily advocating for these games to be 70 dollars. No, this no, is no. more just like you know if this was to come out, out would, oh yeah yeah is it would this, be reasonable yeah I That's apparently exactly. thought it was reasonable on a lot more than y'all did. <laughs> Nintendo's yeah, no, looking you, at you, just waiting. You, for yeah, you to they're open that licking wallet. their lips. They're like, "This guy give is, this is... man some peripherals." <laughs> <laughs> light gun, light gun, man, the switch light gun. Uh, they're looking at you like he is our target audience. Like, figure <laughs> out all his information and target those kind of people. That's that's yep. what we want. I think all some right, of it is so. just sitting in GameStop and seeing what all the Nintendo p- fans would buy. That's fair. You do have a you do have a retail perspective from there, but I do think sometimes you know a higher price, all of a sudden you, those, those casual people will start running away. Yeah, unless it's something like Wii Sports. I, I stand by that. <laughs> well, those <laughs> I think, it, that, I think the thing you benefit with is because it is such a casual audience. That casual audience does not know what that normally costs, so they go in yes. without the benefit that we have of knowing the normal day to day price. Right. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, out of all the ones, obviously we know Zelda, Nintendo's like, yeah, we could charge you seventy. We include Mario. Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Pokemon, Smash, and Wii Sports. Which are all very obvious, I feel like, ones. Wii Sports is probably not as obvious. <laughs> beyond beyond Wii Sports, yes. Yeah, well, that one's in the balancing act. 
<laughs> but yes, when you say it out loud, those make sense. <laughs> All right. That was that. That was fun. That was fun. All right. Uh, well, that will do it for. Uh, or do we have any news? Not really. <laughs> okay. It's been. Right. I just wanted to double check. It, it's been a very unworthy news week in the sense of there are things we could talk about, but there's not a lot that's really worth talking about. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Then that will do it for us. Corbin, thank you for joining us. And thank you all for watching or listening, however you're doing this thing. We will talk to you all next week. Peace. Deuces. Bye-bye.